0: This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community.
1: This is Alan Reader. It's time for another episode of the Orange Podcast, your weekly peek behind the scenes of what's happening in and around Orange City Council. This week there's been a lot of community interest after the region's longest running TV station, now called Prime Television, Handed over a collection of 16mm news film, coverage from over 20 years of local news. We'll find out what happens next to put that vision in a place where visitors to a museum can see it. But first, there's been some steady progress on our little-known side of Orange's Future City CBD upgrade campaign. We've got lots of beautiful heritage buildings in the main street. But what if Orange City Council made it a little easier for building owners to restore that heritage? The council might subsidise a paint job or rebuilding a heritage veranda. Good news. And what if that financial subsidy came with some free heritage advice? That's exactly what's happening to make our CBD look so much better. Council Engagement Officer Ellie Bryce went out to talk with one of the shop owners who's thinking it through and Heritage Advisor David Scobie.
2: I'm down here in the main street on Summer Street and with me is David Scobie, Orange City Council's Heritage Advisor. Davis, talk us through what some of your appointments are in, have involved today.
0: We've had a wide variety of appointments from small but important things like fences and external materials through to alterations and additions and at the moment we're looking at a facade upgrade, a commercial facade upgrade at one of the prominent intersections.
2: David, are some of the ideas that these building owners have, um, I guess, viable and is it something that you think will lift the CBD?
0: I think they are very viable uh, because the works are predominantly simple. Um, The most complex thing is sometimes really access. So here we are in a footpath, so we're going to have to make safe pedestrian access and operation of the business. But once that's taken care of, um, the painting of the building and the minor refurbishment work on the facades is, is very straightforward. But because it is a facade and it's quite prominent, you get a a tremendous uplift for that application of value as opposed to, let's say, foundations or something that you might never see. Mm. So, yeah, a, a tremendous benefit both for the owner and the building tenant and also for the general community.
2: Why do you think it's important that businesses in the CBD take advantage of this or their building owners, but also really sort of heed your advice in terms of, you know, Sticking with what we should be doing and respecting our heritage in here in town.
0: Prior to the current period of the sort of mid to late 90s, um, buildings used to be uh, generally um, or have ordinary colour schemes, not not particularly reflecting their period or history, but say an individual owner's taste. Now we're standing opposite the Royal, which was a green and cream scheme, and it's now. Um, really very, very striking and appropriate to the design. Um, and that's, that was a surprise for the owners, but a tremendous uplift because it shows a lot of vitality. Each business needs to stand out. When a building um, hasn't received a lot of maintenance, the condition doesn't look good. That reflects poorly on the business, on the owner, and on the community as a whole. Visitors come to town, they drive up the main street and they see things which are, you know, not in the best of condition and they think, oh, you know... Is this a good place to stop or to stay or to live? So we want to present the best possible presentation for everything from the business up to the community and this upgrade is an ideal opportunity to do that.
2: I'm now still on Summer Street, but I'm actually inside the Benson's Cafe, just up from the Commonwealth Bank, and I'm sitting here with the owner of the building, Rhonda Single. Rhonda, talk us through how you feel about Council's offer to help those that own buildings in the CBD to upgrade their exteriors.
3: I actually think it's a a great idea, a great idea of Council to do this and for money to be put forward to this. the landowners don't always have the opportunity to and the finances to be able to um, do this on their own and this gives, gives all landowners an opportunity where they may not get it otherwise.
2: Rhonda, what do you think this will add to the CBD? Do you think it will lift the CBD? Is it in need of a lift?
3: Yeah, I think it is. It is in need of a lift and we have got a lovely CBD in Orange. We've got beautiful historic buildings... And a lot of them have been, um, need a little bit of repair. And this will just make our streetscape so much nicer and more inviting for people coming into town. Now, Rhonda, we just heard from
2: David Scobie, who is obviously our council's heritage advisor, and he has just met with you.
3: How did that meeting go? And I guess, what sort of ideas do you have for your building? Yeah, I did have a meeting with David and it went very well. Um, and he has ideas. the The idea is... Um, to have the facade of the building painted and there's a sign that's been on the building for many, many years that has needed to come down for many, many years Um, and that hopefully will come down as well. Lovely painted facade and a little area at the bottom of the building that does need to be retiled or whatever it was in the times that it was built. Um, and that's what, one of the things that David's going to find out and David will also work out some colours so hopefully it'll all be great.
1: The owner of the Benson's Cafe building in Summer Street, Rhonda Single. This week there was a big story in the life of the Orange Regional Museum, when it took ownership of 180 hours of old 16mm film, the raw material of news bulletins on local station CBN8 from the 1960s to the early 80s. The Orange station manager of the current operators of CBN8, Prime Television, that's Rod Monk, is delighted to see the film collection
4: in community hands.
1: Rod, why is it important that this film doesn't just sit in a warehouse, but gets so, goes somewhere where people can see it?
4: Oh, extremely important, Alan. It's one of those things where we've, you know, we've captured the history of, of, of Orange and the Central West for over the years, and to have it t- tucked away and never to be seen again would be tragic. So it's, a, you know, it's fantastic that we get the opportunity to, to hand it over and hopefully um, you know, we'll get to see the light of day again.
1: Why, is it valuable for Prime Television to, to keep or, or is there more value to the community in
4: putting it somewhere where it can be used? Oh, absolutely the second there. It, you know, it's it's a part of a history and I think there's a lot of people that, you know, love that sort of thing. And, you know, we had an opportunity to to uh, to air some of the old vision not long ago and, and the response that we got was overwhelming. So, you know, there's, there's some people here that just remember the good old days and, you know, what better way to see it than, you know, some of the archives.
1: For example, you know, field days, sport, um, a range of things, it, it, it's...
4: It's more than just nostalgia, isn't it? It's, it's discovering where we've come from. It is, it is. It's a, it's a part of history and, and seeing where we've come from and how we've evolved into, into where we are now. And yeah, like you said, the sport, you know, like obviously, you know, the mayor mentioned the other day, he was, uh, you know, he remembered seeing, um, I think he was seeing the, the test pattern, you know, in one of the local shop windows. So, you know, that's, those sort of memories are irre- irreplaceable. And, uh, so, no, we're, we're very excited to see it, to hopefully see the light of day.
1: Manager of the museum, Dr Mary Liz Andrews, knows this archive will be a huge resource for the future, adding moving pictures to many future exhibitions.
5: Yeah, absolutely. We're always looking for visual material to enhance the stories we tell. Obviously objects are the heart of what we do, but it's always um, pictorial material that kind of brings that to life as well. Film is fabulous, um, but it's actually really expensive. If you go to external archives for that material... Whether they have it or not for local material is another question, but if you go to external archives it's an incredibly expensive process. We're going to invest heavily in this, in this um, archive, uh, but what we'll get out of it I think is uh, tenfold.
1: When you say invest heavily, what is the time for beginning to transfer 180 hours of 16mm film to, to online digital?
5: well the first process is to get some quotes Um, we know that it's not a cheap process and we will be looking for support to help us uh, access this material and provide that access and um, interpretation our first step is also always the preservation so now that we have it here and we can have it in museum quality storage conditions we know that it's going to stay in the fantastic quality that it is at the moment
1: Some of the film reels have only a small piece of paper with them with a few dates and names. Are you looking to get locals involved that might help you create a catalogue?
5: Yes, certainly. I mean, it's a bit of a transcribing job in the first instance. We can start that internally, um, but we might look at reactivating some of our volunteers. Our program has been suspended um, with COVID. Um, So I'll be looking at how that might work with our internal resources versus um, engaging volunteers over the next few months. Um, Also, then I think once we start digitising and we can actually look at material and add further information, that's where it's going to be very important to seek community input. Um, because they can identify people, events, places that we may not be able to add value valuable information to that collection.
1: There seems to be lots of enthusiasm for that project already amongst the, from the coverage that's been so far.
5: Yeah, I mean the people who were involved at CBN 8, uh, the technicians and the creative professionals are obviously enormously excited about this as we are, but I think there's a broader um, public appeal as well. People will recognise themselves and their families and um, events that they took part in in this footage and we'll be able to share that over time.
1: Among a crew on hand this week to have a first look at the dozens of film cans was an orange resident who probably shot a whole slab of it. Leighton Thomas worked as the senior cameraman at the local TV station for many years and this week remembers the sheer amount of time involved in putting a local news bulletin together. A lot of hard work. (laughs) We used to, uh,
6: apart from shooting it, we also had to process it and then edit it. So to end up with the finished product there was a lot of work involved um a lot of pride um, because we were sending out to a big area of the central west um, the news of the day uh, and not only news but uh, um, magazine type programs and uh, it was
1: a great information service for the loyal viewers that we had in in the area talk us through some of that process now we've got live crosses and video that's almost instant when you shot a film in the morning, how long before it was ready to edit and then put to air that night?
6: We used to uh, shoot yeah, mainly in the morning, um, and quite often there was a long drive. We would drive to Dubbo to do something and then come back, so there was a three-hour drive up and back. Um, then the footage had to be processed, which, depending on how much footage we shot, and we had to be careful and not shoot too much because you couldn't reuse it, uh, usually an hour, an hour and a half through the processing machine and then it had to be edited so uh, and that was quite, uh, quite a slow process the editing side of things and then it of course then had to be scripted by the journalists and then all the script and the
1: vision had to be married together into a, into a complete package. So when you say edited you've got a, stri- a long strip of celluloid that you had to physically cut into pieces and then stick back together in the right order once some journalist had written a script. Does that make it too simple?
6: No, that's exactly how it was. We had, uh, yeah, usually uh, in the early days it was 100 foot of film, which I think it roughly went for about 2 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, so out of that 2 minutes 40 seconds, an average film story probably went a minute, minute 10, so that would be 38, 40 40 uh, feet of of the 100 foot of film used so we'd cut all the shots up and we had had what we call little wooden horses with little pegs that we put all the shots up in different order and then the
1: journalist would write the script and we'd record that and marry the shots to the script. Why is it good to be able to have this sort of stuff available in a a museum and not sitting in a shed somewhere? Oh look, it's a treasure, it's it's history, there's history
6: there, there's uh, there's so much material of both news, uh, the arts, uh, sport, it's like, it's like the archives of a, of a newspaper. It, it's just a treasure of material um, that needs to be kept for, for history's
1: sake and for research. A lot of these film cans that we're looking at today have a single piece of paper in them with not a lot of detail. Do you think, are you looking forward to being, say, part of a, a group of locals that might volunteer to come in and look through and put names and dates to faces?
6: Yes, I think uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't mind, uh, wouldn't mind helping, helping the situation if it, if it occurs, yeah.
1: Orange resident Blayton Thomas. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. Until next time for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.